Welcome to the Happiness Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Kara Payton, and this is your resource for becoming the happiest person you know. This podcast dives deep and is the ultimate success hack for your mind, body, and spirit. So come with your mind and heart wide open. You can expect to hear from the brightest, most successful minds in the world of personal development, health, relationships, wealth, and entrepreneurship, all bringing you their raw and real stories and cutting-edge perspectives to help you break through your biggest barriers and create massive transformation. If you're new around here, subscribe or follow and share with a friend. You never know what message they may find that they truly needed to hear. And if you've been around here for a while, welcome home. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get to the show. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Happiness Habit Podcast. Today, we're going to be diving deeper than the first conversation of the same topic in episode 18. If you haven't listened to that, I would highly recommend it as a precursor, but not a necessity. This one goes granular and dives into the specifics of family dynamics as we go into the first week of the season where we will be around family the most. Families have unique characteristics and relationships compared to other groups of people. Almost no other group besides family has the level and range of influence on a person's life over time. From big decisions like where someone lives to things as simple as how they squeeze a toothpaste tube. At the same time, families do not come with instruction manuals. We are all basically winging it and our parents are included in that. We are figuring out how to do life together as we go along and being part of a family doesn't necessarily mean that someone knows everything about being in a healthy well-functioning family their families and their families and their families all are coming with and we're figuring it out as we go it's a very organic process and sometimes it ends up in the dredges for most this can be a difficult chaotic and emotional time There are stressors present in this season that aren't present in any other time of year, and that's without going to the family get-togethers. We are also wrapping up the year every time the holidays come around, and we tend to go into a bit of a reflective time as it is. So for those of us in a seasonal climate, we are also entering into the winter, and that can be its own hurdle for anyone who's affected by a longer stretches of darkness and not spending as much time outdoors and whatnot. So seasonal affective is a big thing, especially here in the Midwest. So let's dive in and break down all the elements we face in our family relationships, how the proverbial train comes off the track, and how, it, how to keep it on the tracks this year. So first, let's break down what the concept of family is, because in our family, there is so much more than three, four, five, six, seven, eight people in a dynamic. We have your history, and with family history, that first is like the biggest trajectory determiner. (laughs) We have our agreements, and our agreements are more or less like, this is the person I've decided that you are, this is the person you've decided I am, this is how I predict, you know, it's how we can predict Uh, This is what my mom always does or my sister. If I say this this way, she'll do this. Or if I if I tell my brother that he's going to come off the rails, he does it every time. These are our little micro agreements that we make in our family dynamics every single day. And this is based on our history and how we've chosen and how we basically just agreed upon that we relate to each other. We have our our best friend in the family, we have our worst enemy in the family, we have the person that we can go to no matter what, we have the person we kind of have to filter from. These are all tiny little micro agreements. In history, we also have shared experience 
shared trauma, stored pain. We have these, just these chasms of experience that it was either positive or negative or super, you know, these impression, these absolutely extremely impressing times on our lives where it's like this core memory was created and I was with my brother. I saw my little sister break her arm in a playground and it was, you know, nobody ran to her and I watched her reaction. I was the, you know, these things really cause an imprint in our minds and this stored pain and shared experience between different family members are a part of our history. We also have mental and emotional associations. So what that means is with a certain family member, we have created in our mind, and this is really an unconscious process that as we relate to somebody, as we communicate with somebody, as we you know, experience things with somebody, we start to associate someone with a certain meaning. We've decided that my grandpa means pain, my dad means anger, my mom means acceptance, peace, love, joy, safety. My little sister means refuge. We have these associations that we create whether we mean to or not. And this actually changes the way we relate to one family member over another. We also have trauma that is inflicted by them specifically. We have, you know, a bigger brother that bullied us to pieces or, you know, our sister threw us under the bus in front of all of our friends at the, you know, at the high school dance or something. And we had this like crazy moment where they actually were at the hand of the trauma we experienced. And so that feeds into another one is that we develop guards. So with certain family members, you just know, I'm not opening up to you. I know how you do that. You have anytime I've ever opened up to you, you have weaponized it. You have used it against me. Anytime I've been vulnerable, it's ended up coming out in the wash. If I've shared a secret with you, it's gotten out to the side of the family and the the family member that never shuts up and cannot keep a secret, it made its way to them. And so we develop these guardrails and we just know that certain family members, they are not safe. In history, we also have triangulation. And this pretty much, this is a little bit more of a low-level, sub-level type existence with certain family members. We have our, you know, older brother. We have, you know, seven, eight years between us or something. We're not really all that close, but my sister's only 20 months apart from me. I have absolutely, she is my ride or die. I love her to pieces. And so in our dynamic with like, say, a sibling outing, We're going to have that closer dynamic between one that's not necessarily present with the other. Or I was always able to get a yes from my mom. So I have a camaraderie with my mom or an agreement with my mom that I don't necessarily have with my dad. My dad was the disciplinary. My dad was the not fun one. And so we relate to one parent over another. And the way this works, especially if we have any type of thing like blended families, that's when the whole, when triangulation could not be more relevant is we have siblings and parts of our family that we relate to more, have more history with. We don't necessarily with our step or half brothers and sisters, with our parents, our step parents, our adopted parents, etc. All of these things create these different triangulation patterns on who's closer, who's not so closer. And so then moving on to anchors. Anchors is another thing in family history that's created when we have it goes along with agreements. So anchor, what anchors are is this is 
a moment in time where I created a bond with someone that was either healthy or unhealthy. And now when I come around this person, I am anchored to a certain sublet of emotions, of patterns, of behaviors. This is who I become when I'm around this person. And it goes, it feeds into another history where we have patterns. These certain patterns are, I'm a certain way and so we can notice the contrast when we're a certain way without being around certain people. And then we come into these dynamics. We go into our family home. And you may notice that when you go home for the holidays. You just, you notice that as soon as you walk in the room, there's a certain pattern of behavior. And it's anchored usually because of your agreements with certain family members. This is who you are when you are in this house. This is who you are, are when you come back to your hometown, etc. So... That all wraps up the biggest bubble of the way that we relate to our that our families. The next thing is our, the family dynamic itself. And this is totally separate because this is now uh, an umbrella force that defines the family as opposed to the individuals within it. So what I'm talking about with family dynamics is things like what is the nature of the parents' relationship? Were they always arguing? Were they really peaceful? Did they, were they emotionally detached? Were they not necessarily, you know, the most warm or loving or open people? Did they not discuss anything? Were you guys not privy to the way that they operated? Was, you know, your mom wore the pants in the family. She was a decision maker. And the dad was kind of just always a pushover that let, you know, mom just kind of go, go through the household and, and charge. And so the, Nature of the parents' relationship is very key. It's like almost the foundation of the family dynamic. And next is things like the number of children and any perceived hierarchy among the siblings. So we have, you know, things like, oh, well, we have the golden child over the here, the problem child over here, and the middle child that never got any attention over here. And those are kind of the perceived hierarchy. And every single sibling will say that they have a different perception of the other people in the family. Whether it be accurate or not, it does not matter. Your perception of the people in your family will actually change the way you react to all of them. If you have, if say you're the, you're the problem child and you relate to the golden child with resentment or jealousy or anger or whatever, even though the way that child is being treated has nothing to do with that child. They make good grades, you don't. And so therefore you think that one is treated well over the other. And so you think, oh, well, your good grades, your performance, you know, I became obsessed with performance to try and match and get the love and attention I deserved, but I never got there because you were the golden child. You took all that light. And so now I'm going to relate, relate to you with resentment. And so another form, another thing that influences the family dynamic is the type of dysfunction. This is a whole thing that will basically flavor the relationship of the family. Now, there are five types of dysfunction. We have the family that's driven by substance abuse. So we have one, and that's not necessarily just dad's an alcoholic. That could be any type of thing. That could be an addiction to work. That could be an addiction to gambling. It could be addiction to whatever. You have uh, parents that went through serial affairs where one person's always in and out the door. They're, you know, they have had an affair. They've got another set of, you feel like they have a double life. They're spending more time out of the country at work. Um, so you have people that are addicted to work you have people that are actually, you know, addicted to some kind of substance and you're having to volley and prepare and kind of always tiptoe around the nature and the temperature of the, 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 the way everybody's relating and talking to each other. 
then you have conflict-driven family dynamics. And a conflict-driven family dynamic, you know it. There, there's never, it's tense. You can cut the room with butter. You have no idea what's coming next, but you know it's going to be a fight. You're waiting for the other shoe to drop all the time. And this kind of, this you'll find this most of the time in people that are super, super anxious or insecure or need feelings of safety and just do not know how to necessarily react to themselves in the adult world because they are so used to something being right around the corner ready to cause a family fight. A step above that, something that's even more than conflict-driven, is a violent household dysfunction. And so when you have a violent household, you have you know somebody who's usually the inflict, if, if not both parents, one of the parents or one of the children or what is a violent sort. So you have, you know, you come home and you're used to mopping mom up because as, as you were gone at school, you realized that mom had gotten, you know, hurt by dad or vice versa or from an upper child with violent children that are just there for whatever reason there is a violent air in the household that you are either participating in you are the victim of or you are the cleaner of the mess you're kind of just the one who navigates and nurses everyone back to a, a place of home, homeostasis the next one is authoritarian authoritarian is very very rigid instruction-based, performance-based, like this is, it's my way or the highway, we do not do this, this is our family, this is, you know, this is what we're known for, you either do this or you're out, it's very just, it is black and white. Now these types of families exist all over the place, that it's, all of these types of dysfunctions exist all around the world. There's no one place that one of these are more prevalent. But authoritarian absolutely makes no room for error. Hey, y'all. I hope you're enjoying the episode. We're going to keep diving after this quick break. Hey, I hope you're loving this episode. We're diving right back in, but I first wanted to say thank you for listening, supporting, and sharing the show. None of this would be possible without you, and I'm so grateful for the community we've built over the last three years. If you haven't already, submit a review of the show and share your thoughts. I love hearing how the show has impacted you, and I will be thanking you personally as I want to connect with as many of you as I can. Also, If you need a powerful daily tool, I have created a special gift for you to create clarity, wake up with energy, and tap into the most authentic version of yourself with this daily practice. Download yours at carapayton.com slash daily. That's carapayton.com slash daily. I look forward to helping you create a life that you love. Let's get back to the show. It is perfection driven, etc. So, the last type, number five, is emotionally detached. And this is probably the, not, not to say that any of these are more or less insidious in nature than the others, but emotionally detached are probably what I would call the most common. You find people that they just learned that emotions, vulnerability, uh, particularly against males in the family, male children, they are just taught that emotions, softness, vulnerability are not accepted. They are not widely accepted. It's be a man, man up, boy up, you know, dry it up. It's just emotionally detached. So they've learned that I am going to detach from my own sense of self, my own sense of emotions, because that is how I have to survive in order to relate to this family and gain their approval and connection. So with these variables in consideration, there are 
the various resulting outcomes that shape who we become and therefore how we show up to the world and especially how we show up in our families. Now, the person you become in these families is shaped by a, a few things. First, the ages of impact or trauma. What age were you when these really painful or uh, shaping dynamics happened to you? Were you three when you first saw your dad hit your mom? Were you seven when you fell and broke your ankle? Were you 12 when you know a member of your family violated you in some way? The age that you went, wherever you were in your formative years where that imprint was given to you does affect how you are shaped. There are certain years, you know, particularly the age of zero to five where it's just absolutely the most impactful because your brain is still developing. Now the ages of five to nine to 12 are also really, really impactful years. Not nearly as impactful as zero to five, but surely enough to create funnels and, and bottleneck your growth or your development emotionally. The next is also how you responded then and how you, how you respond now. Has it, has it evolved? Has it changed? Have you grown since then? How you responded then, if you have not gone in and done healing, you will still probably be anchored into the nine-year-old version of yourself. So going into these family dynamics, you're no older than nine years old. You've just developed these same patternistic ways of relating to your family and you don't ever evolve from that. Uh, trauma does actually blunt us and stop our development and stop our memory creation from that point. We then view everything through the lens of this nine-year-old girl or nine-year-old boy who was traumatized. So feeding into that is there are three ways that it will shape who we become because one is the amount of healing done on your own, the amount of healing done on their side, and the amount of healing you did as a group. If you've done a six, just a deep dive into your own personal awareness of all of these things and all of these dynamics, as well as they've done some work on their side, or even you and they have not, or you and you guys have as a group, or just you have as a group, or they've done on their side, there's a lot of different offsets that can branch out how it shapes you. And most of the time, it's never on even keel. You'll go through your own personal development journey where nobody else did before or you're the only one who has learned or gone into any kind of personal development and you kind of feel like the odd man out, the alien of the group. You've kind of dis become disloyal to this pattern, these agreements that you've set with your family. And now, if any, the changes or evolution in the current structure are another way that it shapes you. So if, if your family was one way through childhood, but adulthood, there's different dynamics, there's a different evolution. You guys do not have the same structure as you did when you were a child, which is usually the case. There's some, you know, as the empty nest phase comes through, if you do not still live with your parents, or if you do, there may be a lot of different nuances to the way the family relates to itself if you've gone on and had your own children and these now their parents are, are dealing with empty nest uh, syndrome and then coming into grandparenthood, etc. This will change the structure of the family that will also change how you relate and how you would, how it shaped you. Um, and then another thing that will change how you shaped is what is the family dynamic you created on your own as you entered into adulthood, as you created your own family. And that's family could be you in college with your dog, 
It could be you alone with, you know, or in college with your roommates, or you and a husband, you and a wife, you and wife and multiple children, whatever family dynamic you created on your own, how that translates and how you've created from your own environment will also shape how you relate to your family structure. So with all of that considered, the last part of this episode, I wanna cover moving forward in or from these family relationships. Some of you are listening from a place of absolute just resentment and pain. Some of you have so many wounds and so many hard, that seem like they're cemented in your mind about your the way you relate to your mom, the way you relate to your sister, the way you relate to yourself when you are in these family dynamics. Some of you are optimistic. You've learned, you've gone through so much healing and you know that if you could just reach them or teach them or love them or show them who you are now, so many things would shift. So here is the important thing to understand with moving forward in this. Number one, you absolutely can do it. It may be hard, it may be long, it may be tedious to do, but there are absolutely ways that you can transcend these old modalities and change at least who you are in these family dynamics. Number two, you may lose people. <laughs> it's, it's arduous, it's a, it's a process, it's a journey, and there may be people that do not, no matter how much you teach, no matter how much you love, no matter how much you just confess and show compassion, you may lose people because they just simply do not know how to relate to you any other way, and they feel like, because our brain is programmed for connection and belonging, they just may not be able to know how to relate to you in any kind of new way. Now that is not your fault because if it's a parent or a child or anything, the age that they are when that anchor set in, that's the age of the person you're relating to. Your dad may be 54 years old, but if he was traumatized when he was a child at eight years old, going through his entire life in creating his own dynamics and creating, he is still somebody else's child and how he's relating to you has everything to do with the family dynamics he's coming from. You would be in your new way teaching them a new pattern and before somebody is ready or willing or aware that they are going to be in a new pattern, they don't understand. So here are what I would consider the keys to moving forward in a dynamic with or without family being aware or on board or understanding at all. Number one, this is the number one and this is also the number one important one, consistency. Whatever you do, however you relate, it is very important that you stay consistent in, in your words and in your actions because that is the key to creating new patterns. Number two, honesty. Being honest with yourself is the only way you are going to survive and the only way you are going to withhold and create healthy boundaries for yourself. Boundaries are not for other people. They are not for the members of your family. We do not create boundaries. We create our own standards for ourselves. Boundaries are for ourselves. So how are you going to show up to your family? What are the boundaries you're gonna to commit to and consistently stay with? This feeds into number three, integrity. Saying what you say, doing what you do, saying what you're gonna, doing what you're gonna do and saying when you're gonna do it, staying who you are, remaining in that place 
in the face of no matter who is calling that old, triggered, traumatized version of yourself out, the new version of yourself remaining in complete congruence with that at all times. The last one, vision. Now this is going to be key because this is going to anchor you into something brand new. This is something that you will hold on to when you walk into these family get-togethers, when you come into these holiday dynamics and you see the old patterns, the old ways of relating to each other, you hear the conversation, you hear the trigger word, the vision. If you can refer to the vision of who you've decided you're going to be, this best version of yourself, how would he or she walk? How would they dress? How would they relate? How would they act if they had already stepped into this new version of themselves? That is who I hope shows up to these holiday parties this year. Now, I hope this provided you with value and insight that you can take with you as the holidays ramp up. You always have a safe space here to come to as you are and be yourself and let yourself shine. Until next time, happy holidays. Now I want to hear from you. What stood out to you most? Stirred inspiration, questions, or created a breakthrough? Drop me a line at carapayton.com or in the Unshakable Women's Facebook group. You never know who has the same questions or that can be there to support you. If you liked this episode, share it with a friend. This might just be the thing they needed to hear. And thank you for joining me for another episode of the Happiness Habit Podcast. Until next time, keep moving forward. Your best life happens when you become your best self and the world needs that person in it.